This week's episode of the Screenwriter's Rant Room is brought to you by avgearguy.com. If you have any photos or documents that you need to scan or videotapes or audio tapes or film rolls that you need to import into your computer, check out avgearguy.com. If you mention the name of this podcast, when you order, you'll get 5% off and a portion of your order will go to help support the rant room. All these formats degrade over time and are sitting ducks in the case of fire or theft. Why not convert it all to digital? All of your memories could be stored safely on the cloud or on a hard drive that fits in your pocket. AVGearGuy.com has over 30 years of experience with all kinds of media, digital and analog, and they can accept orders from anywhere in the United States. Don't forget to mention the Screenwriter's Rant Room and get 5% off your order. For more details, visit their website at avgearguy.com. I'm say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Rant Room Till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed in the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds got no time for no caca Sass in class, yes that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. We keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? It is, it is what it is. You see, we had to change it, um, AZ, because uh, every every time we turn around, some stupid shit go on. So uh, you're going to hear some different shit every time. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So anyway, y'all know how we do it on the Rant Room. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. We got my girl, Lisa Bolakaja, in the house. Hello, up, Lisa, peoples. Lisa? Hello, 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 peoples. Cult Jam. Shout out to everybody. Oh, and a shout out to my neighbors in the neighborhood. Uh, if anybody down here in San Diego living by way of uh, near Bonita, Near Bonita, California, near the <laughs> almost near the border. I want to apologize because me and my sister and my mom been sitting outside doing our movies outside with my LCD projector with the big screen. <laughs> and so I want to apologize to Delta and Southwest because I know when the airplane flies down low, they see all the horror movies to the homies that are driving at the top of the hill when you're coming down <laughs> the hill and you see all the blood and gore that's on the back of the screen. You're like, what the heck is happening? We've been right. doing outdoor movies and enjoying like classic horror movies, and uh, I've been having my speakers outside. So to my neighbors, I apologize, <laughs> but it is what it is. We locked in the house, and I'm going to watch my movies one way or another. So there yeah. you have it. <laughs> <laughs> See what I got to deal with, Daisy? Crazy. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, <clears throat> then we got my man Chris Derrick in the house. What's going on, Chris? Just you know. Um, Working. You ain't got no job. You ain't uh, doing nothing. You ain't got no I have job. A job. Writer's right. I have a job. 
Mm-hmm. Called stabbing people who are not okay. wearing their masks. Out of exactly. Listen, listen. All these people who won't wear their masks. I'm saying right now. I've come to realize that's a um, it's a class thing. Yes, it is. It's a class thing because people feel like they're immune because they got money, and mm-hmm. perhaps they are. You know, I don't know. You know, I was, I was talking to my friend the other day. He was out driving, and 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 he, and he was like. Then I said to Monica, and he was like, they're not wearing masks. Mm-hmm. And, and he said to me, I wonder what I, I wonder what they know that we don't know. And I was like, that's a good question. So yeah, I go, AZ, question. AZ's over there in Atlanta. She'll tell you. She's like, I ain't wearing no mask. I'm too cute for that. I'll see you. No, <laughs> I, I wear mine faithfully. However, I, I'll tell you what, I came from, a, I spent two months up in Detroit for the coronavirus. So I spent two months in Detroit and then I came to Atlanta and Atlanta was like, it didn't happen. Nothing happened. (laughs) What are you talking about? And I was around with just this angst. Like, If you don't put on your mask, I was seeing people like, what are you doing? Why why don't you have your mask on? Because coming from Detroit, it's obviously got violent if you don't put your mask on. So, yeah, I I would do. Are you from the D? I'm from Detroit, just like you. Me too. Okay, I didn't realize that, but I see you trying to trying to be cute. I knew we was cousins or something, so that's <laughs> yeah. <what> that. <laughs> you always have a little pop, even when uh, yeah. you got a little pop. That's hilarious. <laughs> By the way, can you guys see me? Yeah, I yeah. can see Lisa. I, I can't I see can myself see. at all. I don't know why. You're not supposed to be able to see yourself. No, you, you're you're supposed to be able to see all the other people. You're not supposed to be able to see everybody. I want well, to know where I'm looking and you, I'm looking. Usually, usually, sometimes it'll have you as a little tiny square in a corner, but most of it should just be everybody else you're looking at. It has me in a square, but it's it's blank. Usually, well, I see myself. So we should tap, make that, sure. then tap that square then. I'm tapping the damn square. It ain't doing nothing. Well, mm-hmm. then I, I think go. you broke it. Just admit it. Okay. But, anyway. we can see, but we can see you, Hilliard. <laughs> All right, that's what's up. So if you guys are growing, let's go ahead and get to the show. So today we got AZ, how do you say the last name? Yaman? You Yemen? got it. Okay, Yaman. Yaman, mm-hmm. I feel you. I know where that's where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Um, you are a, uh, won't you tell people a little bit about your background and what it is you do and who you are? So I do something different in here in Atlanta. I run a uh, script writing studio made to develop emerging writers. That's number one. And number two, just to set up that community because we didn't have one here or any way to set a standard for how writing should be. And the second part of what I do is I'm a producer style writer, meaning it's very difficult for me to write just for myself, my own ideas. But Mm -hmm. for some reason, very easy to write on someone else's. So I'm just that style of writer, whether it's film or television, I'm just Mm -hmm. good on that level. Mm -hmm. Not too good on my own. Strange. Um, but mainly that's it. I've made it as an indep- made it in our sense that I can f- afford my living in my lifestyle. That's what I mean by made it in my style of um, in the indie world. Let's call it that because it's not uh, it hasn't crossed over completely yet. Right. But in the indie world, I'm okay. Yeah, well, I all, do. Of, all of us yeah. come from the indie world, so right, right. We totally understand all of that for sure. Right, um, right. You know, I still I still go back and forth in it. You know, all the time. You know. Um, it's you quite have, luxury. You have to, you know, um, <laughs> especially in LA, you know, where where there's just so much. There's a lot going on, but yet if you're not in, you're not in, and it's yeah. also so much. There's so many barriers. I'm sure we're getting into all this, but there's so many barriers where 
you get to writing on shows and stuff, and then you, it, it almost comes to a stop. You have to keep staying at that level. <laughs> you know what I mean? Gotcha. And the only way around it is to create things for yourself so that you now can become the person in charge or the second person in charge or, you know, something. So there's all these, there's ways to get there, but if you stay within the system, it's going to take you a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Disproportionately long time for, for women and for writers of color. Right. It's just too bad, but... Yeah, I, I guess when I saw your article, I mean, coming from where you all are coming from, you're out in L.A., mm-hmm. um, and a lot of times I hear, like, you have to move to L.A. in order to be a writer, um, and I, I stand firm in my flag post in Atlanta that that's not true. How, do you, how are you the number one production <laughs> venue in well, the world? Well, how- I'll, 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 I'll bite back on that just a little bit. Now, I agree with you, but I'll bite back, and here's why. I think we talked about this a little bit on, on the episode with, um, with Tia Jackson um, from the Jackson Agency. And, and just know this, and I gave the example of when I was in San Francisco, you know, when I was an actor, you know, back in the 90s and, you know, 80s and stuff, um, <clears throat> it was as if if I got a role on a TV show, I was always like the best friend to the star who they cast out of L.A., Right. Mm-hmm. I very well could have played that exact role, mm-hmm. but they only saw us because we were in San Francisco as the, the supporting roles. So the same thing that I'm seeing, and you could tell me you're actually in Atlanta. <clears throat> now I'm talking about union projects, by the way. Right? right. So you have a lot of TV shows shooting there. But what I've seen, there's only been a very few actual writers rooms that are in Atlanta, you know, most of them are here and they fly out there to produce their episodes. Well, that's yeah. exactly my point. So at some point, L.A. was the number one production company in the world. Right. At Correct. some point, right? And okay. then at some point, they didn't feel like dr- going over to the uh, West Coast, so they stayed in the East Coast, and then they became a popular place. Right. So why is it, f- it seems to me that it's not far-fetched to say Atlanta's next in that space. Yeah. Ten years ago, absolutely not. No avenue, no path whatsoever. Right now, I think it's different. Um, is it hard to find? What I hear the most is, I don't know where the writers are in Atlanta. That's what right. we hear when we go to these. <laughs> right. uh, where I are believe, they? Where do they exist? I believe, I believe it. Well, <laughs> so, so, so there's two things on that. One, the excuse about, you know, like where to find the writers in Atlanta. You get that excuse in Hollywood about, oh, yeah. you know, I can't find any black writers, and it's like there's a black committee at the Writers Guild. You can find it. It's just it's a laziness. I mean, regarding to what happened, is that you know, like you know, like Los Angeles lost its its it, it, it lost its luster 10, 15 years ago because they refused because California refused to uh, to have these tax incentives. And the people, it's because people in Sacramento don't like the people in Southern California. I think they have too much money as it is, and blah blah blah. So, like you know, you know, Toronto, Vancouver, Atlanta, you know, for a minute, um, North Carolina, you know, they and New York, they all pass these tax incentives to get everyone to come and shoot outside of LA. Right. And because Georgia, it's funny. I met this guy who was telling me that uh, Georgia like has what it has because the guy who set up that kind of tax incentive in North Carolina 
he got booted out because of some politics and he came to Georgia and, and he pitched, pitched it to the guys down there. And the same thing he was doing in North Carolina and they set it up in Georgia and they ran with it a lot stronger. Because right. remember, like in, remember in the 90s when like Dawson's Creek was being shot and, and yeah. Lions got to do there because they had the similar tax incentive. And so in Georgia, it's so easy to get that 30, 35% of the tax incentive. There's, there's no reason not to shoot there. You know, you see all sorts of shit shot there. I mean, they shot... That I mean, and they they shot that movie called, uh, fuck. There's a movie that was set in L.A. in the seventies that mm. Shane Black did, um, like The Wise Guys or something like that with with uh, Ryan with Ryan Gosling and and Russell Crowe. What I can't remember mm. what it was, but that movie was shot in Atlanta. Really? Like, we'll, we'll just double it. I mean, people know how to double anything anywhere. Well, if they could do Black Panther. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know? <laughs> right. I think we so, could do anything. Exactly. And, and, and I feel like, I feel like you're only a big advantage if you're living in LA to write is if you're white because you got a, a connection of people who can get you jobs. If you're black, then you still don't have that connection. But I'm sure that in in Atlanta, I mean, because because I've been out here to shoot something, there's more people who are open to wanting to do the work, and they treat you the way the white people treat each other down there because there's just enough of them that right. it's that sense of like, oh, this is how white people have it, you know, it, 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 you know, like, hey, just I'm shooting something, and then top the cream of the crop people like show up to do the work, you know, like whereas in LA. That doesn't happen for people who put power that much. That's why it's harder to do stuff out here and to get noticed because of the way that the whole, the whole, like the, the whole, the ecosystem is fucked. Uh, well, like one like of here. the, so it makes it one, easier. One of the, Plus, the cost yeah. of living is so much better than you. you, well, you have a better at the same, I see what you're saying, but nepotism exists amongst us here too. That's true. So That's true. it's it's not it's not as if they can't find writers, it's just not in their circle. Right. So it's not as if they can't it's not about good writing here. It's right. Who you right. Know. right. Um and that's part of the issue. It's like, hey, I can write. I wrote this in a weekend, let's shoot it. And since I know so and so and he's my brother's cousin's neighbor, it works. Right. Um so we still don't have that criteria, that barrier to get through to the gatekeepers here. We do have to run around the whole nation to utah to la to new york just to bring the work right back where you're going to film it in the first place so it's extremely frustrating because you do have a lot of black heads here Mm -hmm. as far as um the big production companies but yeah getting into that writer's space and trusting the worth ethic of the writers here has been a challenge and i and i Mm -hmm. get it those barriers are created for a reason. They should. Some of them should still exist. I think, right. to see how how much you want it and how humble you will, you will be with the experience when you get it and how hard you will work to keep it. Because getting it easy doesn't necessarily mean you're going to continue the work as you should. But that's what we're seeing out of Atlanta. Some of the writing, which let me say, their ideas here, hands down, amazing. Hands down, amazing. Their execution, we, we've got some challenges there. Well, and that that's and that's why we do like podcasts like this, for example, you know, is to really try to grow and help, you know, particularly writers of color, because that's mainly our audience is, um, you know, to help them be the best that they can be. And um, so, like, between the three of us, we're the type of people who read hundreds of scripts a year, <laughs> you know, and I'm not exaggerating, you know, oh, wow. and so that 
that's the thing that 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 separates a lot of people that I've seen. Like Chris talks a lot about his friend um, Billy Ray, um, one of the biggest writers in the world, <clears throat> probably one of the top five in the world. I would say, wouldn't you agree, Chris? And but his ethic that he has, you see why he's that good. He won't go a week a day without research and reading, you know what I mean? And a lot of younger writers, and particularly writers of color, I don't know what it is because of certain people's background that we decide to, you know, write a script because we read one. <laughs> and yes. think, you know what I mean? And we think <laughs> right. and we think we're ready. And 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 like all of us, we've taken classes with all the biggest gurus. We've learned mm-hmm. and we've read every book that comes out. We've yes. we've we've done the work, we've shot 10, 15 different short films and, and proof of concepts and all these different things to learn how to do the thing, you know what I mean? Whereas, and so, so and we tried every different type of genre. So right. we know, we know what, what our works. strengths are, mm-hmm. you know? And, and luckily, all of us early figured out what our strength was too in the sense of the type of writer we are. I know being a black gay man from the hood who grew up in the whole Afro-punk era in the 80s, I know I'm an underdog. So those are the stories I'm attracted to. You know what I mean? So when I pitch myself and I sell myself, I sell myself that way. No matter what you are pitching to me, I could turn it around into an into a, a underdog story that works for me. You know what I mean? That's your vision, that you have a voice inside exactly. of. Yeah, I get, yeah, you say, Chris? I mean, the thing, the, the, your comment about the execution and the ideas. I mean, I think that an issue that happens in Hollywood is that people complain about what they see that gets made out of here. It's because people who have people who have like mediocre ideas can execute them to perfection. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. And I mean, right, there's, there's right. a, lot people, there's a lot of people out here that I, I read their stuff when they're young, and they got cool. They got amazing ideas, but mm-hmm. their execution is so bad that it's Agreed. like I, you know, and it's and it's. I mean, the, the thing that I was telling someone one time, mm. it's about, I was telling some friend of mine who came out here from Atlanta, well, he's from Cleveland, but he spent a lot of time in, in Atlanta as I'm trying to be an actor, and then he came out here, and I and I was telling him about some people I think he should watch, and he's like, why should I watch them? And I was like, I was like, that, that shit looks easy, right? He goes, yeah, of course, that's why I can do it. I was like, no. no exactly. People who make it look easy... It's they're so good at it. That's why it looks easy. Exactly. And I feel that when people read scripts, it's something that they like, whatever it is, they read it and don't really like. <clears throat> like the the thing that makes it easy, mm-hmm. they can't even understand what it took to do the the, the mechanics the mechanic. to, do, yeah. to do that on the writing. Right. You know, I, I mean, my it's, my it's, thing is this, um, especially for Black creatives, in any type of artistic endeavor that black folk have always done. We've always gone through time, some type of apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. Basic stuff. Let's just say hip hop, for example. <laughs> you, don't, you don't come into a cypher thinking, I done wrapped a couple of bars in my bathroom. I got this. <laughs> you go listen to classics. You go, you watch people. You work on it. You hone your craft. The same with gospel singers and singers in R&B. A lot of us in the old days used to come up to the church. Mm-hmm. For a lot of us, when we're playing our sports, we practice, 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 watch the great ones. Whether it is any type of creative endeavor we've done, we've always put in work. Why the heck do you think that we ever had Showtime at the Apollo? 
Black people's tradition foundationally is you go through the fire first, you hone that craft, and then you get to a point where we think that you you can actually do the work. Right. When it comes to like TV and screen, you know, screenwriting and stuff like that, that disconnect doesn't yeah, seem yeah. to like they don't seem that it works here too. Just because you read a script once or been to a couple movies and said, "Oh, I think mm-hmm. I got this." That's not how it works. So if we can do the work and every other thing that we do creatively, I don't see how we don't make that same kind of conscious observation of, oh, I need to do the same thing with our writing. Because just like you said, uh, uh, Hilliard, Mm -hmm. the people who make shit look easy, if you go back and look to see how they got their start, they put in work. I mean, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, all them fools Mm -hmm. that do sports and stuff. They practice and yeah. practice and when, practice. When and you practice. go home, they're still in the gym. They still in right. the gym. But know? here's the thing, though. So I, I hear what you're saying as far as like that practice. But the, this is the reason why it's not true. Because for every point you've made, I can for writing mm-hmm. in production, I can prove you wrong. Right. Because the proof is in the pudding, right? There's yeah, a the there's a whole there's a whole three hundred million dollar studio that I can prove you wrong with. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so that's sitting right here in Atlanta. Yeah. So that's that's they're not always, it. They're always they're always <laughs> right. But there, there's there's the, uh, there's these outliers. I can totally get YouTube's web series wrong and then gre- be groomed for three years in the HBO incubator and get it right. Right. Well, here's because I met somebody in the right space. So that's right. not the case with, with what they see in the result. However, when I built this company <clears throat> to be that voice for emerging writers in Atlanta. Let's, let's talk it, about it a little bit. Thank too. You. Yeah. So we're going to go through that process. I went out and the first thing I do, because I'm, I'm one of those people who I'm a professional student. My dad used to say this when I was growing up. I'm a professional student. I love to learn. It's just yeah. what I do. And when I take learning, I don't just read. I break it down so I can reteach it. That's how yeah. I've always been. I've had it. boys at a very young age. So I've always known I had to think on my feet very fast. Mm-hmm. So with Bridge 17, what, Here's the work of it. All right. How do I create a script? Someone said, hey, AZ, I have this script. Um, I said, well, I'll take the challenge on and write this script. What did I do? I go over in a tiny cabin, stay there, watch every episode of my comparables, my comps of this particular genre, read every article I can find. I go to find a buy final draft. No one told me this. I Googled it. I buy final <laughs> draft. And then I go through and find out what the rhythm is of the data. And this particular show that I was doing was a kid's show. So I watched True Jackson, it was Nickelodeon. And then I watched another Nickelodeon show. And what happened was that every minute in beat count, every minute they had like, it would be the protagonist and then the antics, and then there was a joke, and then there was an antagonist. And it was like a rhythm and they wouldn't, every minute they would keep that rhythm going. So I would watch another show and it's the same formula. I was like, oh, so it's just a formula. Yep. So let me put my idea on top of this formula and beat that out and then write. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a crazy person sitting in a tiny cabin. I know. I understand that. But no, I found a formula. No, it's not crazy at all. <laughs> right. That's exactly what you should do. Exactly. Yes. You have to do no, because you, you, right. you, you, you do it this way. You did the work to find out what the formula is. If you, if, if you sit down and if you read, you know, like one script, you knock and you think, oh, I got this. You're not going to find it. cut formula. out. I mean, I, I think you if, you look at, if you look at what's Chris, the voice. Chris, you cut out. I cut out? Yeah, oh, you're, 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 you're good. There you you're go. Good. Oh. Yeah, I mean, so it's, I mean, it's, it's, what you did was look at the formula. I mean, the, the thing about, like, here's the thing about, like, 
you know, like whatever you're doing, film, writing, piano, dance, whatever it is, there's a craft to it. All you gotta do is learn the craft. I mean, the thing about like Tyler Perry that I think a lot of people, people discount to a certain degree is, look, he has a $300 million studio, but he honed everything from doing those plays. Exactly. He exactly. understood yeah. how to he be an entertainer. You know, yeah. I mean, and people kind of forget there was like, there's a whole slew of a whole slew of filmmakers like Sidney Lumet and like um, the guy who did the Graduates. I forget, mm-hmm. forget, forget, forget his name. I mean, there's, there's all these guys that came out in the mid in the mid fifties or, or early sixties who came from theater, and they knew theater very well. And and people were like, oh, we'll just drop you in in the cinema world because you don't need to know the camera. I, I got someone who, who who knows how to do that. But, but I mean, that's me, part of the process that they don't see. Yeah. Right? Well, so not, when they okay. finish, when you finish the result and you figure I can do the same, it's, it's certain things you don't know. I can spot a Word document format, formatted script from a picture. Right. Like we all know what we're looking at. But how, however, here's, here's a trick. So if I come down on this level and say, I'm going to make my classes affordable to teach you guys the skills. Now, my skill set has gone from just the knowledge of that tiny cabin that I rented to understanding that across genres, understanding that across broadcast, understanding that same formula across OTT and being able to pick it up. So this is hours and hours and hours of education that I've given myself and then given it back out, which means I know more than the average because I have to teach it in a way that makes sense for adults. So with those classes, I have a syllabus and it's so rigorous mm-hmm. that this is intensive. You're going to write every day in your journal. You're going to write every, every um, day for a page count of two to three pages a day. You're going to read. You have an essay due. Like mm-hmm. all of these things are a part of the process that I work through. And I get people who pay for the class and will drop out because it's too much work. Uh, we're all familiar with that. <laughs> yeah. so, but here's the other part, too, right? Right, right. Too much but they think it's the, easy. They think it's easy. easy. And I'm, of course, right? I make it look easy. Can I do a script in 30 days? Yes. Can you do a script in a weekend? Yes, you absolutely can. Are those, are those usable pages? Are you willing to do the work to do a rewrite? Are you willing to scratch it all and toss it in the trash? Exactly. And that's really the work. And here in Atlanta, I have been scorned before i've of course you go through the process of people talking about um you in a negative light because i'm a rewrite rewrite queen i love to rewrite right because it doesn't feel good yet the energy isn't yet i don't feel the tone i don't know what this is about right. all those things and they do not want to do the work they're like can we just get to production can <laughs> we get to- <laughs> this is a red carpet have- style yeah. of community yeah. right, right. <laughs> see, they, see, need, they see, need to understand writing is rewriting though and it's like yeah. they miss that part of it the first write of course the first draft is just Trash. we're just sketching that yeah. it is it's just the sketching it's just we putting stuff up there to stick but it's rewriting and it's constant rewriting and for people to like to be like, oh, it's, it's do it the first. It's like, no, you barely even figured it out. And, you know, and, but you know what? That's how people learn. Sometimes you invest in something and you realize it's not for you. And those who stick with it, that's there's a payoff and okay. there's a payoff in the end. But keep going. Keep going, AZ. I, no, Lisa, I like what you said, because those who have stayed with me for a couple of years or years, there's no there, that's not a fluke that I have a showrunner that came out of my group. Mm-hmm. That's not a fluke. That's a well-groomed person who understood, who knows a one sheet, knows a pitch deck. These are people who've done it without agents, mind you. Have gone to a network and said, hey, I have all my documents in order. And they're so thorough 
with their documents, their pitch decks, their um, their pitch document, the black and white version, all of it, that when they get into room, people, they know what their story is about. They know their personal bio, not I went to school here, such and such and such. But like Hillier said, hey, look, I, I'm a girl who's had a, t- a teenage kid. Um, I still went to school. I still own my own business. I bought a franchise, moved to Atlanta, and my kids went to private school. The reason why I can say that kind of story, because that is an unlikely person. I'm an unlikely individual. Mm-hmm. So I don't like sad stories. I like an unlikely story of a winner. So the point is, is that every writer can now communicate the same. I just when they get in the I just they, you, see? <laughs> <laughs> I got a girl crush. Like, there it is. <laughs> when folks with me get in a room, we have these candid conversations while we're in class. So when they get in the room, yeah, I'm, I critique the heck out of, out of a script. And they get critiques to the point where they know how to respond to that critique. Right. They don't run away. They go, okay, now how can I fix it? They now know what to do with that one-line note that the producer gives you that, eh, it's okay. Right. (laughs) They know what that means in the grand scheme of things when they give you that one line note. So my writers are able to communicate in a way that is professional. They understand critique. They understand their um, what they're pitching. They realize the gravity of the dollars that they have to be responsible for, that they're asking for. That's the other part. That's, That's what a huge, kinda, huge thing. It's, I, it's I, a I whole people, business. I because right. I'm a, I I'm a business. All right. time. That, right. Like it's my biggest refrain. No one is paying you to write your script. No one cares about your script as, as like as a on its as, own. Like yes. like as some pieces of paper. It's like, are you trying to trigger right. a forty to fifty to hundred million dollar spend? And if mm-hmm. that happens, are you comfortable being in charge of a hundred million dollars right. every mm-hmm. year? So that's that's, what, that's I, it. I, like, like, that's something that I think escapes so many writers because they look at it as just like, I just want to tell my story. You just want to tell your story to write a novel. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> write a novel and, and self-publish it. I mean, if it's good, it'll get picked up. But right. if you want to get into entertainment right. business, then realize that there's all this shit. And then you, you got to realize that it's like, how good is what you wrote? Because there's 90 scripts that are at that point that can trigger the $70 million spend. And you know what? They can't do 90. They're only going to do five. So mm-hmm. how do you then get into that that top 5%, you know, whatever it is? Because that's, you know, so there's all these other things you have to do. That's why you can never look at it as being easy. And I tell people all the time, like, the writing is not, the. I mean, the writing is substantial. But at a certain degree, that's only 30% of it. Because mm-hmm. everything else is more about what it is. And what you're saying is important, too, like how to take a note. Because right. because if someone takes a note the wrong way, then they get offended. I mean, the whole reason why like screenwriters are kind of like people don't film film people don't want them on the set because there's too much of a of a of a historical thing of they don't know how to take the notes right. You know that they, they they take it too personally and they get upset because they're like, what I put on paper is gold. Yeah, but then it can stay on paper. <laughs> to bring, bring it to life, we have to, do right. to bring it to life. And that yep. means that you, you got to let go and be okay with that. And yeah. If you're not, then people are like, cool script, don't want to work with her. <laughs> that's it. So that's that grooming process for them to understand the business of writing. So from that, we got a showrunner. From that, we have um, someone who just signed a very significant deal for their film. All of this is out of Bridge 17, two people who went into the first round of Sundance. That's no fluke. Right. I love it. Right. And I love the fact it's kind of like it reminds me of Sweet Honey in the Rock, that song, We Are the Ones We've Been Waiting For. The fact that, 
you are in, you know, in Atlanta, it's like, there's talent there. They just need someone like you to step in and be like, you know what, I'm going to take on this work to like, to groom our people, to train them, to, to give them access, to be able to tell those wonderful stories that are out there. Like everybody, the best writers aren't necessarily in LA or New York. They're, you know, they could be in every state. They just need access and, you know, some support there to be able to hone the craft in a very safe space um, there it that is. they can work. And I think that, you know, Bridge 17 is one of the, I mean, my God, I mean, if I was living in Atlanta and I was a writer, I would be there like, what do I need to do to take the classes? What do I need to do to be there? And like you said, you're right there where Atlanta, it's going to be this growing hotbed. You know, I, I'm surprised more people aren't going to Atlanta to film because I feel like that's the new spot. I mean, oh. that's the new... No, 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 no. There's so much production in Atlanta. I mean, that, like, that's for writers in terms of just writers. Like that's oh, well, that's the hard part for writers is it hasn't we haven't gotten that mandate yet. So there's a mandate to 35 percent you have to film here. I mean, there's a reason um, they have 35 percent exists because you have to film a certain portion um, in Atlanta and carry the piece. So those are mandates. But what I'm requesting from our powers that be is that they give that same mandate for writers that you right. have to have so many productions or writers and writers from Atlanta in the room. Agencies are not here. The only agent we have here that's a WGA is the Jackson agency. Right. So yeah. we are rep- and when you call these boutiques and you call CAA and you call Circle of Confusion, you call these folks, they're like, yeah, we're not here um, in, in Atlanta. If I call CAA right now, they're a sports agency in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they do right. not have right. a literary department so there's no avenue in so who has to teach the avenue alright mm-hmm. so since you're not going to do it for us we understand that that's fine what we're going to do is be so well um, so well versed in writing so well versed in stories so well versed in the business of it that you can't deny us Right. So that's really the process of Bridge 17 is to take these folks without an agent. And I would love for them to have an agent. They just don't have a lot of options to get them from point A to point B. And it's it's now I can see the fruits of it. It's working like it's it's amazing to see to be the first writers room for real in Atlanta. Right. There's there isn't a writers room here that didn't was an offshoot of Bridge 17. Mm-hmm. And I love that because it takes multiple personalities to get where we got to be. Right. Can you but, walk us? Can you can you walk us through AZ um, how how things are working now that we're going through this pandemic? Can you kind of kind of discuss that now? You know, we do an indoor sport. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm all here for it. Right. I love that producers are seated. I've had my script script read by someone that I don't even know how it got in her hands, but she's a major. Um, I everyone's sitting down planning so uh, this they can do this another month i my work is getting done and it's getting read so i'm excited the classes are still going mm-hmm. well see, On, that's, see that's good to hear that's good to hear thing, it's, you know, thing you said about you don't know how your script got in somebody's hands there was a tweet that was circling like earlier in the week about this article that josh olsen wrote who's the screenwriter for um uh, this movie, uh, shit, mm-hmm. shit, this thing with Viggo Mortensen, um, fuck, but, 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 like, the article was called, you know, I will not read your screenplay. Oh, I remember that. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. um, and, uh, and I was kind of like, this is like a bullshit yeah. excuse 
for to keep voice keep certain voices silenced because this guy probably forgot that somebody read his screenplay when he was new and gave him his break to get in and and maybe he didn't know how he got it the same way that you just said well I don't know how how my script got read by someone major but it is but that means that somebody decided to take a chance on you who you know who and the, and and the, the big person doesn't know you so they're so 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 they're investing their precious time on an unknown commodity. They're mm-hmm. be taking someone else's kind of like vouch for you, but they're still gonna go, yeah. But I don't know. It could be bad. And then they're reading it and they're loving it. And it's like that's kind of like the 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 beauty of what I think what you're doing. It sounds like is that you're getting everyone to to get on the bandwagon to know that those writers who've come out of Bridge Seventeen that's their stamp of approval. You know, right. the people know that if they've gone through, if, if, if anyone has gone through the Bridge 17, I know that I can trust to read that script because of the, the rigorous process of what it means just to go through it. Right, and that, and that brand that brand of Bridge 17 now has that clout behind it because you've got success stories behind it. So now it's like for some people who probably didn't have faith in it before, didn't know anything about it, there's no writers in Atlanta now it's like, oh, this is the place to go to. But AZ, can you give us, like, for those people who are listening who, who probably in Georgia or anywhere close by where they can come and take the classes, can you take us uh, briefly, like, what are the type of writing services and classes that you offer? So I do a film class on Monday. In that film class, I, five, in five weeks, which is each cycle, I do three cycles a year. How and I'll students? break it. What's that? How many students do you usually try to have in there? 12. I, I used good. to do 20. That's, that's good. And oh, that was number. ridiculous. Yeah, that's that hard. was ridiculous. Yeah. Lisa, so, and I, Lisa and I have done those big classes. It's good. Yeah, they're, they're not hard. good. Yeah, hard. So, so I moved it down. So we, we only do 12 folks in the classroom so that we can get real comfortable with each other in our stories. Mm-hmm. And we take them through small sex because he, here's the thing. Like I used to do like, oh, okay, I'm, we're going to do character, subtext. <laughs> And story development all in one five weeks. And that's impossible. A person pulled me to the side. They're like, you're teaching a master class to babies. Like, you cannot right. do that. So now I break it up where it's themed. So right now we're in a subtext and dialogue cycle. And we go through your script. So you have to write and then you have to present. And we're correcting and doing those notes with you the whole time while you're learning subtext. You're learning what that means because a lot of writers that are new have no clue on they think subtext is sarcasm for some reason. Like that's part of our process. So yeah. that's mon- movie Monday is developing the story, understanding the emotional journey. And I have my own diagrams that I use and I've created that help adults be pragmatic in that sport of writing and TV Tuesday. So TV Tuesday, obviously we're, we're in a box. So I tell writers the first day we're going to build a box and you must stay inside of it. Okay. Oh, they don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But, but I know where you're going with that. You're saying <laughs> you must learn the rules before you can break them. Yes, yeah. and TV is a box. There's yeah. no way in the world I'm going to turn on Seinfeld and expect to see um, Roseanne. I'm just interested <laughs> in the box that was Tell created. I trust the box. I'm it. happy in the box. Tell so that's it. TV. I just need multiple ways to explore this box. That's it. How many ways can you wrap it? So that's kind of what we talk about. I mean, I'm not going to go through my whole diagram, but we really do say, what's the baseline of your show? 
meaning not, oh, what it's about? It's about a girl that, you know, um, tries to get a job and she's broke. No, that's not what it's about. What's the baseline? Oh, she's dealing with abandonment issues. Okay, now offshoot that to make sure all your characters connect to that one baseline. And that's how we build our box. So, I mean, that's a quick 30-second example. But that's part of TV. And I have to do it separately because the stories are told very differently. One is in a whole emotional journey where you're expecting change. And the other one, you're expecting no change. Just exploration. That's it. Exactly. I mean, look, that's the thing that I think a lot of I think a lot of people get confused about the two the two mediums. You know, I mean, it's you know, like movies just are designed to do something different. They're just mm-hmm. designed to do something different. And you know, I, I kind of feel like movies are just kind of like what we have been doing <clears throat> historically since we've been telling stories to each other. You know, because I don't know how, you know, this is, for example, if, you know, like if I'm in the Serengeti, I'm not telling the story of the lion hunt too many different ways. I'm just telling you like one version, like, hey, don't get eaten and come back and tell us the story because <laughs> right. it's kind of like that's what it is. And, t- and, t- and TV, I think people, p- again, people revolt against the box you're saying because they think it's easy and they also jump around through so many episodes and so many different shows and they don't sit down and say, if you were to do, if you were to do a hundred hours of this, which doesn't happen anymore, we say you to do 40 hours or something, you know, there has to be like parameters to that mm-hmm. or people can't, they, they, they won't be able to recognize it from mm-hmm. season to season to season, you know, and there are some shows that, that break that, which is interesting, but it's rare, you know, and, and rare. those are the ones that people talk about because it's kind of like, you know, and not saying those are the best, but they talk about them because because they are just a different kind of exploration of what of what the, the medium is trying to do. But I get it. I mean, like people have a hard time wanting. It's like I think one of the issues about writing in general is because everyone writes, you know, to communicate. You know, since they're like five, they think that's all that that the, the entertainment writing really is. And it's, mm. it's, it's not. It's like you said. I mean, like, I tell people all the time, you know, when you tell me about your movie, don't tell me the plot. you got to tell me why this movie should exist. You know, like, exactly. what's the story behind the story? And if that story is compelling enough mm. as to why you know, this thing, thing can exist, well, then we can look at what you did plot-wise and then determine, oh, you should twist this here because you want to say this here to, to, to cement what you're trying to say like underneath it. Mm-hmm. That's something that requires, the baseline. Yeah, right, the baseline. Yeah. It's such a such a, a full understanding of a movie. Like you just can't watch a movie one time and say, I got it. I know what this is trying to do. <laughs> right. You gotta watch wait, it wait. Times, Screenwriting like, isn't easy. Yeah, it's not easy. It's, it's, everything. <laughs> it's everything. I mean it's, it's that it's that thing that you know it's the thing that Anthony Hopkins says about acting. I'll never forget this. Back when he did the movie Remains of the Day, he was on some, he was on Charlie Rose. He was talking about how he prepares for a movie. And he's like, I read the script a hundred times. And I read like, and I read the whole script and, and, and I can do everyone's parts. Because at that point, when it comes time for me to do my parts, I don't have to remember any of it. I just, it's like, I just channel it and then I can decide what I want to do emotionally, you know, from take to take, moment to moment, because I'm not worrying about anything else. I have it, I have it so thoroughly as part of my body. 
Right. And that is like the level of, of the work you got to do to to, 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 to to make it all work. You know, I mean, it's uh, worth writing. You have to be able to do it that well, you know. Right. And it sounds like for you, like you've done it that well because you can teach it. Like to teach it, like you said, is a whole nother level of understanding the game. Because, yeah. Because just because you get it doesn't mean you can explain it to someone else goes, oh, I got it. Like without you having to do it 10 different times. And right. That's, but I, I think this goes to what, yeah, what AZ was talking about. Was the um, you you were saying where how you went to the cabin and you did you did your work and you know you'd play it in the background and I, I tell so many younger writers this like right now <clears throat> I was telling Chris and um, Lisa um, up to a few weeks a few weeks ago everybody's been submitting for Disney and all these other programs right now mm-hmm. so I literally have read since this whole coronavirus thirty four scripts and I'm not exaggerating that's only like two and a half months right. So, and I'm giving them detailed notes on what they need to do, wow. to pump up, whatever, and not including their, their, their letters of who they are and all that. Anyway, so where I'm going with that is I always tell them, cause some of them have to have scripts, some of them have to have um, specs and some have to have um, pilots, right? Mm-hmm. So on their specs, I always say the one thing that I do, I used to drive my husband crazy cause I'd have it playing in the background. Like what you do, it's just on cycle. If I'm mm-hmm. writing, if I'm writing a freaking Walking Dead or whatever the hell it is, it's just playing because I'm like, oh, the rhythm was kind of like, no, Rick wouldn't. Oh, he would say it because it would be like da 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 da. Uh-huh. You know what you I mean? Start learning you the hear the it. pattern. Right. Exactly. Right. And even even a show like that that now has in the last few years switched it so it doesn't stay in the regular structure. It'll go off and be with one character for a whole episode. You know, even that still has a rhythm to it with how often things happen between the actions. You know what Got I mean? It. Yeah. So it's the little, you, you start to figure out the patterns and the structure and the, and, the, and the format within the world and you just have to include your story in there. And it be, I hate to say it becomes simpler, but it clicks for you. And it mm-hmm. does kind of make no, it, it easy. It you does know? make it easy if yes. you know like the rhythm. But I do have a personal question that I, sure. I did have on my note to ask all of you. It's, I noticed that... Um, the younger writers aren't as good. They are right, but they aren't as good at writing, not because their writing isn't good, but because they haven't been good with themselves. Like they don't know themselves as well. So it's when I got, I'm a way older probably than uh, most people. You're assume. Even 19 girl. <laughs> girl, you've been 20. She, she a vampire. <laughs> she a vampire. Not, not even 21 yet. Still got to get cards on places. <laughs> right. But the, when my writing got good is when I, I got much older and I understood and I could take a step back from life and see my shame, my guilt, my love, uh, my mistakes and my wins and how they all work together for my full experience. So I asked that, do you... Did you get be- where you're good at in your 20s? Because I know, Hilda, you've had a different style of career where you kind of transitioned as you got older. I think that for me, hearing, hearing what you said is it makes me think of this. So like one of the scripts I just read was a pilot and it was loosely based off of this girl's life, which was an interesting story. Right. But her execution was all wrong. So, for example, there was and I think I used I think we talked about this on one of the shows. I was saying that there's this moment where, um, and I'm not giving it away because nobody knows who she is, but there's this moment where there's two sisters and they're talking about something that happened with the father, right? And 
the father wasn't there in the scene. And I said, you know what would be interesting? As if the father was standing in the door and they didn't realize he was there the whole time. Now the tension of the fact that they just revealed this thing is escalated. And you know what she said? But he wasn't there. Yes. So where I'm going with that is... (laughs) I understand that. The difference between young writers and Mm -hmm. more seasoned writers is we know how to take something that's real and put it into... Um, reality. Well, that and also into, into, I always say, like, it's more inspired by. It's not based on the facts, right? The older you get, the more you realize that the, the here's, here's, here's where I was going with that. You and I know that it's okay to tell the truth of what happened, even if it's about somebody that you know. Right. You know how to twist it. So it's like, you know, this is really totally based on my mom, for example, but I'm going to twist it. So it's just a little bit different and give her more of a quirk so that she sees herself, but yet she doesn't. (laughs) You know what I mean? There's different uh, um, levels of how you know how to twist it just enough so that you feel like you gave her the thing that you wanted. And at the same time, you were able to give it something fresh. Right. Younger writers tend to spend the time going, well, here's exactly what it was. So you're bored to death because in their head, the story was interesting. But we know the only way to elevate it is to give it also moments where, for example, in spitballing, the father was actually there, you know, and overheard that conversation. Now the rise and fall has to really rise. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I don't know if that answered your question or not, but if there's, that's one thing I noticed is they don't know how to give in to the whole thing. You know what I mean? It's, I think it's also, too, just having more lived experience over time. And the older you get as a writer, I think you start to learn subtext a lot better. Right. And your writing doesn't necessarily have to be so on the nose with stuff. And, of course, when you're a younger writer, everything's new and intense and insane. But the older you get, you have a little bit of time to reflect and to see how things are different and just living. And I think one of the problems that a lot of younger writers have is because... So many writers who've been in the game are telling them, you got to study, you got to write, you got to do all the stuff. They forget to live. They forget right. to have a real life. They forget to read things that aren't, has nothing to do with writing, but just for pleasure, going for walks, having hobbies outside of what they're doing, because all that does is enrich your writing. Mm-hmm. And you can tell when people haven't lived because it shows up in the writing, because it doesn't, it doesn't ring true. Like yeah, it doesn't it have the has, nuance. Right. Yeah. It has, yeah. A, yeah, it doesn't have that nuance. It doesn't have, it's just, there's just something that's lacking. It doesn't mean that it's not executed well, not formatted properly and has all the beats and plot lines that you would normally have because they followed the quote unquote formula. But, you know, that's just something that life teaches you as a writer. And that's why, you know, when people start talking about all the isms in the business, uh, especially when you start dealing with ageism, because a lot of people are thinking, oh, your writer's room has to be all young, hip and all these 20. It's like, you need to have a very... Mm-hmm. diverse writer's room with people with lived experiences that can be in a writer's room and be able to give notes to those other writers to say, okay, I see where you're coming from, but from this viewpoint, let me show you how you can create nuance, how you can make that, that script a lot richer, to have a lot more texture to it that will just make it pop and be a lot more, I don't know, just resonate more with viewers. And like I said, that's just living. And having a life outside of studying and working on craft all the time. And while it's on my brain right now, AZ, can you just tell me, I mean, 
a lot of us right now, a lot of our listeners are working in the indie space and, you know, with their writing, with their directing. So as you as an indie creator, I mean, what are the, the good and bad? What's the pros and cons of working in this in the indie field? Um, so he, here's here's the thing. When I started back in Atlanta, you weren't supposed to get paid as a writer. You weren't supposed to? No, it was like, no, we don't pay our writers. Like, wow. you just write this thing. I'm producing it for you. So you should, you know. <laughs> and I was like, well, how's, how does that work? Because I have to make this a career. You know, I have kids to feed, you know, sort of thing. So that was the initial parts of the indie space. And then I took my business um, background and parlayed it over to writing and made made that you had to have a standard of pay for our indie space. Mm-hmm. So it that's when writers started asking for money, right? Yeah. In in a substantial way and can back hopefully they can back it up with rewrites um, when necessary. So it works for me because my goal is to write and to get compensated well for the work that I do. I am not interested in production on a level of camera and directing on that level. I'm interested in on the story development side and helping with development. A couple of um, our networks could use me in the room from what I see. However, (laughs) (laughs) so Lisa, to answer your question. She's so humble, you guys. She's so humble. Hey, tell them, girl. Just stating stating facts. That's all it is. Just stating facts. I love it. I love it. I would do one for free just so they can understand. Um, but any case, <laughs> Lisa, look, Lisa and our friend Linnell have been talking for years about starting a consultancy, especially for white folks. You know what I mean? Uh, how Lisa? Yes. Let, yes. Like, let, let us help you save yourself. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to leave it. I'm not going to go too far. I'm just going to leave that there. But Lisa, to, to say how is it working for you, it's working well for me because I understood the business of it. So, yeah, I... I got a building for writers and I knew how to make it work, right? I knew how to like really give us a hub in Atlanta, a place in downtown Atlanta say, you know, come on by and drop in to the writing studio so you have a place to meet clients and all that. So I, I created a business space for it. So it works for me because I am not concerned what you do with it when I finished. I'm okay with the writer for hire mm-hmm. uh, space. I still keep have clients that keep me on depending on what they're doing, but I guess I'm a little different. I'm a different animal maybe than most indies because they're probably looking for the red carpet and I have, I have no concern for that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so, no, and I think I take, I think about it the takes work. all kinds. And I like the fact that your focus is on the work, the craft, the getting those scripts tight and, and, and honing that stuff in because I think, that kind of disconnect is some of the problems we may have with some of the writers that are coming out right now because they're so focused on, okay, and next comes the red carpet and all the other stuff. It's like, let's, let's get back to the work. Well, well <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but see, I think Lisa, that goes yeah, back good, to- Give me a good story. That other stuff will come later. Like, <laughs> I think that goes back to your thing about we love the, the Apollo thing, right? The night of the Apollo. Like there's so much of a performance aspect and the recognition you get from the performance. And if it's good. If it, it's good. It doesn't matter if it's good or not. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's good or not. People want to go and just be seen. Mm-hmm. People just want to be seen. Uh, particularly black people, they just want to be seen in that space because we've been denied the chance to be seen on film and TV enough. And, and that's so great. 
but your stuff has got to be good. Well, yeah, but look, see, but, 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 but look to, to my opinion, I think people like would rather have the Sandman come take them than not have the, the chance the, at all. No, on stage at all. I agree with okay. you. You know, and because of that, you got to yeah. cut corners just to be up on stage. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, and that's, that's an issue. I mean, look, people and the way the, the way the media has portrayed writers. I mean, look, I was going to say this earlier, but it's like, I think part of the issue that I think this, that so many black writers have is they, they want this permission to, to be a writer because they say there's no examples of, of us as writers. And granted, there's very few that have been, had the spotlight put on them the way you get these white writers in terms of what it's like if you to, 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 to live the life <laughs> of a writer that's not the successful person who's got the huge, like the spike leads and stuff like that. So I guess the idea of what it is is not there. And I, I, I just kind of feel like, you know, you have to look at what you're doing and figure out, you know, the reason why you want to do it. Because for me, it's like I like the production aspect of it because that's where I really feel alive. Like me personally, I, when I see it coming to life, Mm-hmm. There's no greater joy for me than to yeah, see but... something than to see the writing I've done or even writing I've worked on come to life. But that's me. There's other people that that's not their thing. The rest of that, yeah, I agree. Is, is, I, is I agree that the set is a is a wonderful place for me. Like I, I come alive on the set, as you know, and so there's there's something to and because I think it's because it uses all of my quirks and all of my strengths. You know, I know I'm a really good manager and I see things before they they happen, you know, <clears throat> and it shows on the set. You know, I have a strength there that that, that really knows how to manage every department and keep things rolling and, you know, to make sure that we finish on time and I keep the tension down. You know what I mean? I like all of my strengths come out on the set. For sure. Yeah. But, but, but yeah. the thing is, the thing is, that's not for everybody. You know, right. and, and the thing is, the beauty of what what you're talking about is. It doesn't have to be for everybody. No. You know, if it's not for you, yeah, I mean, right. it's not for you. It's not for you. I mean, you, know, you can have the wonderful, fulfilling um, career and and not ever set foot on set. You know, because I'm cause there's lots know, of writers, you know? lots of writers. They I never. Mean, I mean, and that's great. Yeah. I I I think the the but the lure, the spotlight, and the and the red carpet have such an allure because of because of of just what else of, of whatever else that you think is going to give you and honestly it doesn't give you anything you know i wish i walked that red carpet just like oh just like okay what am i supposed to do here right. you know what what am i supposed to do here that's that's benefiting me because you haven't seen the movie yet this is before the movie's being seen right because here's the thing there's no red carpet once the movie's over people like if people like the movie and there should I, be because it's like I, hey you know you come back and watch did you like the movie yeah right. I fucking loved it you gotta like seek out that praise in a certain way <laughs> and and that's the real if you want that validation it's hard to find and tell me what it was like tell me what it was like motherfucker come watch it and then you know <laughs> right. then you right. get it yourself but that right. doesn't happen a lot so i don't, I don't know it's- I- Go ahead, go ahead, Daisy. No, go ahead, Lisa. I'm good. No, I was just gonna say when you when he said that, just reminded me of years ago when um, Hilliard, when your first short came out and you uh-huh. came down to the San Diego Film Festival. All oh, right, right. And we were sitting in and we're all excited. 
and you know me, I, I, I'm kind of like you, AZ. I like the writer side, like creating, crafting the story and stuff. I've been on sets. After a while, it drains me. It's like, okay, that's great. Make it alive. Yeah, where's the honey wagon? Yay, great. Okay, deuces. I'll see it when it's done. It comes to you. But I remember sitting in the theater excited because, you know, I have all these different filmmakers from all over the world. And it was, it was Hilliard's first short. And let me tell you, there is a difference when you put in the work to make your stuff the best it is. Because I remember sitting there watching the Shorts Festival and Hilliard was right next to me. And you could tell those filmmakers that just wanted to be there for the floss and gloss because it showed up in the work. Mm. And the moment that Hilliard's film came on, you mean my like critically left. acclaimed film? That? Yes. Throw it in, The level, I mean, let me tell you, it's like the level of, like, I just remember, I, just could this be in my head, but I remember there was, it felt like to me, there was like a hush that came over the theater room where people who were there for like the whole red carpet thing, oh, yay, we're doing this whoop-de-whoop, and where I could actually feel like I could see people's brains working, thinking, oh, shit, I need to go back to square one and really work on my shit. Because there was kind of a buzz afterwards, because after, you know, we saw the short, yay, everybody getting dapped. And then I was there for the festival for the rest of the run and kind of hanging around and just overhearing people's conversations, realizing that they got to step their game up. They got to do the work because the people who were flossing and glossing like, yay, like people really weren't buzzing about their stuff because it wasn't there. But I just remember people were talking about here it's film and I'm just sitting in the background like, that's my friend, you know, but, you know, just being quiet, like, okay. And it really set into stone for me. It's like, it really is about putting out the best work that you can and putting in the hours and making sure you put together the crew to put, because honestly, once it gets up on the film and, and it's on the screen, that's your presentation to the world. And for a lot of us, unfortunately, it's just that one shot. And let me tell you, watching Hilliards compared to all some of the other shorts that came through there, it really cemented for me. It's like when you come out here, you need to come out here ready to body people left and right. Like you can't. And you got to you got to think outside the box. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. People just give you generic ideas like they didn't right. spend any time trying to right. figure it out. And right. That's, and, you got to right. have a spin. You got to have a twist at the end. You got to have, you know what I mean? And it was just such a professional level, you know, and I remember when you were working on that, there were things behind the scenes that like, I think you lost the location it stuff is. that you needed. And the, I remember the stress you were under and I was like, oh, Jesus, I don't want to go on set at all. I just want to go and see it like Hillier. Just tell me when it's there, because I remember the stress of you trying to get it together. And and, you know, a lot of times in indie filmmaking, sometimes those disasters are blessings in disguise. Because afterwards, you ended up getting something that was even probably better than what you expected to get from originally. Right. And, that, and, and, that's, and that's where my... Something happened on the set, um, yeah, AZ, where, and Chris knows this, <clears throat> you know, something happened on the set. We lost our location. When it all finally came back, the person who gave, gave me the location, who was going to charge me five grand for that huge location, ended up giving it to me for free. And then the subway train that we had to rent he actually brought one of his own guys to go get the train and bring it to the location. So he saved me about $8,000. Wow. 
right? Wow. So what I learned was, and I tell Krista all this all the time, every time there's a fire, ever since then, 10 years ago, my first little short film, now I make movies, ever since then, I am very calm because I've learned that every mistake we end up figuring it out and it's going to be the film that we wanted anyway. You know what I mean? So I always keep chill about it all the time because I'm like, wait a minute, I was all stressing and tripping out about this thing. And actually this was even better in the end. You right. know what I mean? So I've and learned I think, to be really chill. Since and, I think, and I think those indie skills will parlay and work really well when people start working over into the bigger commercial, you know, the bigger things, right. because you've got a skill set that, like you said, once you know how to work the ins and outs indie and knowing how to do things and, and, and make do with what you can, I think it just makes you a better filmmaker and a better better artist in terms of working with bigger budgets and more commercial product because you've kind of got that indie grit, you know? And a lot of the, the masters that, you know, a lot of the people <laughs> that we admire in terms of their, their really huge film careers, they all started pretty much, like a lot of the people that I adore, they come from that indie background. You know what I mean? Well, so there's two things. I'll, I'll, I'll say two things on that that could be interesting. I mean, look, I've especially, made a lot especially of, the writers. I made a lot of short films in Los Angeles, uh, like under uh, less than ideal conditions. I'll say. Um, <laughs> and I remember I went to Savannah last year to director shadow on this Hulu show. And you know, it was the first time I had been on a set for a pro set for that extended amount of time. You know, I was there for a whole week, whereas I've been on a lot of movie sets for like a day or two. And, you, see, you know, and, and movies, they move so much slower, um, you know, because for a, a lot of reasons. But, you know, I remember being down there and watching that crew work, and I was like, the 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 baptism of fire that that I went through to, to learn my skill set. Mm -hmm. When you see a team that can work so as a machine, I would say with a machine to two, crew to crew, they can work so fast and they can work so well that it, it really, it, there's so little pressure. And even if there are problems, there's enough people around to kind of like solve that before. It, it was such a, it was, it was, it was heartbreaking to me. I was like, God, you know, the problems you have doing indie films are, you know, can shorten your lifespan. But you know the thing about, <laughs> but, but the thing about is about doing stuff and about like there's a mistake that people don't necessarily make or, or don't quite get. If you do something big, and if you learn these techniques about like how to like squeeze a dollar, then you know what are you able to do with you know next time you have the money and the and the big big money. I was reading this thing just recently, and it's something that that I never knew is that. Stanley Kubrick had lost so much money and so much faith in in the studios from from when he did 2001. Mm -hmm. then, then when he went to do Clockwork Orange, he had to do it on a very microscopic budget, and he and he had to and he almost had to do it like he hadn't made a movie before, because he mm -hmm. didn't like convince everyone that I still know how to make a movie, right. I still can do it on time, and I can do it quickly. Because he spent four years doing 2001, and you look at his before that, he's doing a movie every year. Sort of like drop off like that, it's, and then have it not successful because it, it, it didn't get successful till it was till it came out again, like right. the same year that the year before was it the eighties? No, the time when he was producing Clockwork, so he already had to go work under the gun is when it came out and started picking up speed again. But okay. he already committed to how he was going to do Clockwork, 
you know, a clockwork's an amazing film as is. I mean, you wouldn't oh, watch it and say, oh my God, I can't believe this guy was like, like, like working with, with, with like the, the slave drivers on him again. Like there's so much success, but you see, but I feel like so many filmmakers, like they get um, uh, entitled to what it means to have to, the shit behind you, the studio, everything like that. And it's like, you know, if you make a mistake, you can always go back and make a smaller movie and, and prove everybody wrong. You know? Sure. Hey, um, AZ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't go ahead. Don't go ahead. Tell you what you can say. I was just gonna say it's it's. I'm a I'm a big advocate of can I I can just be a writer, and not have yeah. to be on a a short you know sure. do a, do a whole bunch of shorts. That doesn't mean I'm not spending money on my craft. So I always wonder is is that the only avenue? Because the first people, first thing people say is, "What have you done?" I'm like, "Oh, I can send you over the work." Right. So it's I just think, a question of is that even I think the problem, AZ, is we're in a time where so many of us have well, we all have access to actually make product now. So it's expected of you to mm-hmm. make a product. And it's also you're sometimes judged by the fact, and I've been guilty of doing it myself, when I talk to a writer and they have all these projects, I'm like, girl, dude, whatever the fuck, why haven't you shot this damn thing? You know what I mean? You sit and wait for Hollywood to do it for you. What are you waiting for? We could shoot this right now if we get rid of that location, you know, and change it to this thing in the backyard. Boom. All we have to do is, you know what I mean? Because what we found is most people today, our attention spans are so short because we're looking at everything like this now Mm. that you are so much better off. I can tell you how many different people we've gotten our projects to because we shot it ourselves, whether it's a proof of concept or the actual film or, you know, the, a pilot or whatever it is, because they would rather watch it than read it. That's it. It's the truth. And so no matter who they are on whatever level they are, you know, as much as we all love to read, if you send me something that I could watch, I'm probably going to watch it first because we're all busy, you know? So, so to, to really answer your question, yes, you can be just a writer. It's going to be a lot harder for you because the expectation is going to be, this is all you do. You know, everybody mm-hmm. else is a hyphen. It. What do you mean? Right. But you can say, I write and I teach. I'm an instructor, whatever it is. You know what I mean? So it's all about how you come at it. But it might take you longer to get there without producing your own product if you don't do it yourself. You know what I mean? That's just my opinion. So I don't know. You guys might have other things to say. Um, well, I mean, just... I mean, look, you have to ask yourself, look, you know, the thing that, 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 re- that really, I don't know how it is elsewhere, but I'm assuming it's the same the way that the film industry is across the globe. It <clears throat> produced credit means an incredible amount because it means that just you didn't believe in the idea. Correct. You have other people who believed in it, and I mean, and you know, and there's projects that are shitty, are really shitty. And then you know, because I spent a lot of time, you know, the last couple of years, like like watching, like how people did their directing career to tra- to, to to get into doing t- television directing. What was the road for that? And all these people got these these long list of of fucking movie credits. I mean, t- TV episode credits. I was like, like, what was the thing they did before they did that? And they did some little indie film that's got like a four or five rating on fucking IMDb. And it's like, mm-hmm. I'm like, so clearly that movie wasn't good. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Clearly, it wasn't good enough, you know. But it, but there's the whole kind of mentality of if you've done a movie, if you have the wherewithal to produce a film, it, it, it. I mean, unless it's completely unwatchable, then you have a full understanding of what every aspect of the business is like. Once you have to do a, a television thing, because if you're directing a television episode, you're only in charge of a little bit. But you, but you're aware of what's necessary to let to to what has to happen downstream. Because if you if you've made a movie, then you then you understood. Well, I got enough coverage to make the editor's life easy and everything like that easy, you know. And, and if you and if you and the movies that don't get seen are ones that didn't our directors didn't do that, who didn't get enough material to do that. And so then for it's the same thing with writing. It's like once people see that you've written something that has been made. You know, it's. I mean, unless it's absolutely fucking terrible, then it's. You know, then that's better than having like. A, I mean, h- hard to say. I mean, there's tons of people I know before the the last writer strike. I knew all these people who 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 made huge, big houses, big houses, million dollar houses with no produced credit. Because they yeah. there was this whole thing about you come in and rewrite people's stuff and get it to the yeah. point where it could get made, but it wasn't enough to get your name on the script. But that's kind of like change in the movie business because the way the movie industry is contracted. And yeah. in television, you know, it's it's like television is a harder game to get something made to get uh, get on staff and everything because of how it works. You know, it's like it's harder to get shows on the air. I mean, there's so many being made, and and you know, and to be able to have people trust you to put you on a staff is a whole different thing. I mean, I was telling here like earlier in the year, I was like, you know. It's actually easier to raise money to, to do an indie film than it is to go on staff on a TV. It's show. true. It really sure. is, you know. And sure. but, but, but here's the thing: if you if you had, you raise they, money, here's why. Here's why. Let me interrupt you. You know why? It's because you only need one investor to give you the money. Uh, to get on a TV show, you need the showrunner, the EPs, the the studio, the network, and everybody to agree that for you to be on the show. Yeah, you know what I mean? it's a, it's so a huge thing. It's way yeah, harder. But the thing is, but the, the but if you had that team, if you had that movie credit, then it you know well, but then it's way easy to you know to get on show shit. If you have that movie credit, you can go like pitch shows. You know, I, I was I was wondering like how the Duffer Brothers got Stranger Things. I was like, what did they do before? Mm-hmm. And it was like you know they had one produced movie credit, they went straight to video, but right. they got that done, and it was enough for people to stay in town. You know, they had an agent, blah, 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 but they were like, but you know what, you got something done, which means that that you have the, the wherewithal to deal with all the bullshit, because you don't know, I'm not saying you, but the public doesn't know how many movies are sitting unfinished. Right. There's so hey, many that are unfinished. It's insane. AZ, and, I have a question for you. I have a sorry to interrupt Chris. Is, is, are most of the things you write TV or film or both? I'm both. So since December, and let me see, December to now, I've written five projects. Mm -hmm. I'm writing one right now. Um, That one is TV. So probably three of those. Yeah, three TV and two film. Okay, because I've I've talked about this a lot. Writers, and I don't don't work for them. None of us do. But I always tell everybody, and I know you probably have heard this before, too, that, I mean, if I was uh, a young writer and, and, and I had a feature script, I would I would post it on the blacklist, you know, and and you have to get two coverages. You need like an eight or higher, and if you do, you'll be surprised how many people are hitting you. 
It's it's the fastest way to get there. That's that's, that's not the path that we take in Atlanta. And I, I'll say this: I think it's fine for LA to say that, and it's like, oh, cool, you got a blacklist. But that's usually not the path in Atlanta. Uh, for for where I from where I sit, um, when I do a script, I don't do it without an attachment. So chances are they've got a connection with a studio who's looking for this script, who's already bought it, or at least interested on the lookbook. So I get calls regularly, like, "Hey, do you have any three three to five million dollar films? Do you have any TV shows over there?" So it's a little different for us, and we're not on the ABC kind of path. Yeah, here. I was talking we, about the. I w- I'm talking about the spec script. Yeah, not, not the thing that you're hired to write. No, yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't do spec. Um, so I don't. I don't do spec, and I don't write for myself. I know okay. that's strange. So I write because I'm hired to write. And it's like we have this idea. We have the uh, so and so OTT network looking at it, and we just need a proper script that's properly formatted to get it through. Okay, can you do a whole season, or can you just do this pilot? Blah. And then I just I send that off, and I'm working with the producer to get that off. And it's already most of the time either in the works. So it's just a little different for us in a, in in Atlanta to okay find the blacklist, which many of my writers have been on the blacklist and had an eight or better, and it just went nowhere for them. So I took the other approach: well, give me the producer who already has the deal, and I'll write for them. So that's the level that I go go for. I don't go for the for the the. I'm, okay, I'm waiting for somebody to pick me here's up. Here's the other thing that I would add to that. Then, um, if you any of your people have an eight or higher, then Lena Waithe has offered that she will ob- automatically read you and take you in if you have an eight or higher. They, I've heard that. They have it. We've been there. Okay. Then for some of them, that makes sense. For some of them, that, that doesn't. And I've, I've had writers who said no to that offer. So, <laughs> so it's all, it's all perspective of how they want to move in their career. Like, I That's guess. true. That's very true. I'm, I'm, I mean, because he, he, I mean, like to me, it's, it's kind of like you got to ask yourself, what do you want? You know, like, do you want to show on on like Netflix? Do you want to show here? Do you want to make a movie? If you want to make a movie, what kind of movie do you want to make? You know, and you have to kind of very much focus on what it is. I mean, if people are coming to you and saying, hey, we got an idea, can you write something for me? I mean, I mean, if, if those things are, I mean, here's my question to you is, are, are, are they giving you credit on the script and are those projects getting made? If those projects are getting made and then you're getting credit on the script, I would turn around and say, look, I want the deal as close as possible to the Writers Guild deal. You know, I want that deal. I want some money, you know, and like, you know, some, some back-end money that, that's not the net shit. I want, like, some gross points. I mean, like, I, I, I turn around and start asking for that shit because that way you start, you know, it, it, it might people might get upset. But you're like, if you, hey, you want me because you know I'm going to deliver shit that is gonna, that's going to move the needle, so compensate me the right way. And if you get those certain things, you know, the right way, that, you know, then, you know, then, then that'll change how people like, like are viewing you, you know I mean? It's, look, there's people I know, a lot of people I know who are, who are in your shoes. People are asking the right stuff. Can you develop this bit? Can you adapt this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And they very rarely have a chance to write their own material. You know, like well, like, like my friend Abdul Williams, who did the salt and pepper movie and the, and the Bobby Brown thing and the, and the new edition thing. I mean, you know, he wrote some new, new stuff. He wrote his own stuff early in his career 
but he quickly got into the 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 track of everyone's approaching him with shit to do. And I, he honestly, I don't remember the last he, time he has a quote now. He a quote. <laughs> I don't remember the last time he wrote anything original. I remember, well, maybe six years ago. I remember he 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 got a blind deal on like Warner Brothers to write something, right. you know. But I but I, but I'm not sure what happened with that because he had all this other this, these other assignments that he had to do, you know. So it's but but and he's comfortable doing that. Because he's really good at taking people's ideas and going, here's how, like here's how I can spin it and make it better, or here's yeah. my taking this idea that is amorphous and here's how it works as a, as a as a movie, as a television thing, as whatever. It I is. think that works for us though. Like there's some writers that's what how it works, and for me yeah. that is how it works. So yeah. I I'm okay with where where I am and my invaluability to that person or that client, okay. right? So I'm always there. I've had folks have been with me for four years who have turned down major deals um, from studios because they didn't want that particular studio. So I, I think for where I, from where I sit and sitting in Atlanta, I, I believe we're on the right tra- trajectory to go the normal path of working for Lena Waithe. I think that's amazing. Lena Waithe is amazing. However, it doesn't work for some of us, especially some of us that are older who are not interested in moving to L.A., Right. Yeah, and I think I, and I think that's key that's because yep. because I think that now that we're on agreement that AZ, you are the hub of screenwriting <laughs> in Atlanta. <laughs> where do you want to take Bridge Seventeen within the next five years? Because it sounds like you have found your niche, and you're mm-hmm. creating a path that's different. And I'm all for different ways of getting stuff made, and I'm excited about that. So, where do you want to take Bridge Seventeen? Where do you see yourself in five years? Because I'm excited about what you're doing and development. So okay. I expect for for you to come through our incubator program and be a, a great writer when you emerge from our program. And I expect me to be in development. Um, I do expect to be in, in some form of um, VP um, of development at a studio. I don't. That's very near and not far fetched for me. I believe that. Mm. That's yeah. A good one. Yeah. Uh, that's good. I like that. That's a girl. Look, I think. A- AZ is on it. She's like, look, this this is what we doing. I know what y'all doing. I don't know what y'all doing. But in the ATL. I know that's right. I know that's right. I know that's right. Differently because they won't pay attention. They're not. They're, LA and New York, they're like, oh, those little baby writers over there. And with merit, some of it, th- those those responses are with merit. But for a lot of us that are good at what we do, um, I work in a niche that doesn't make sense for indie writers to say, I'm working in development. I'm here to help you succeed. It's strange. Mm-hmm. So I, I I get that, but it's necessary for us to get better in, in black film, in black writing, period. Me existing with the knowledge I have, the understanding I have, it's necessary for us to get better on that indie level and then pushing it forward to those major deals, which when you get to a network uh, client saying, no, I don't want this network because I know we can do better than this particular studio, I, we're, we're okay. And I like that there are writers like that that are comfortable doing that. Because for yeah. most people, it's like, like they're going to grab whatever the first thing that comes along and then they get stuck in certain places. But to feel comfortable in their own skin, to be able to like, you know what? Thank you for the offer. But you know what? This is where I see myself going. I think that's that's awesome. And I'm I'm really looking forward to what you guys are doing down there. And hopefully one day, you know, the, the screenwriters rant room crew can come down and visit once we get through this pandemic and just check out in person really what you're doing, because I feel like 
that's what we need right now. I'm supposed to be shooting when this is all done. I'm yeah. And so, I yeah. feel like, and Please. I feel like, uh. I, and I feel like because we're in such a, since 2020, I know we've joked that said that 2020 is like a throwaway year, like, oh my God, this is the worst. But I think 2020 <laughs> really is just a stepping off point of new thinking and new directions and new ways of being and creating. And I think, I think, you know, Bridge 17 is that, that's that step in that trajectory, you know, and I'm really pleased and I, I, I want to keep, you know, thank God Tiana Jackson told us about you and, and gave that shout out in our last podcast, because now yeah. our, our listeners, shout out to Tiana our li- for that. and our listeners know <laughs> you exist, especially those who are down there in Georgia, you know? Yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, Tiana's been amazing. It, it's been a whole crew of folks that have been um, really backing Bridge 17, which is why we exist the way we do and the knowledge we have. We wouldn't have our knowledge without our, our members or producers from major studios coming in. So let me give you this little bit that you need for your writers. That's mm-hmm. how we've gotten where we are. Okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Tiana, I'm not about to call it Tiana, forgive me. Um, so AZ, <laughs> shut up, girl. Um, <laughs> how, can we, how can we help you from Hollywood? What do you need from us? Um, what I, what I need specifically is what I need to know what we're missing, what we can do better. That's always, we're in for the betterment. One, two, we need access. I need a path that is true and clear, um, for our writers. Mm-hmm. And it's, we don't have the assistant jobs here to be, oh, I'm going to work for an assistant and then I'll be around and I have my script in my back pocket to send. Yeah. So how do we get that liaison that is a stamp of approval? So I hear you saying, okay, the blacklist, um, blacklist right now is on a delay of reading scripts. Okay. And blacklist right now is, I think they're maybe overwhelmed. So we send all of our writers there and that's been that... Um, almost like the goalposts and the stepping stone for our producers to go, okay, so you got eight, so it must be good. But they may not like that work. I really want Bridge 17 to be, okay, did you go through Bridge 17 program and did you get this particular stamp? How long did you go there? That sort of thing. And then say, I'll read your script. Because you're not only dealing with the work, you're dealing with the writer. Right. So I, we really need that liaison to be I al- accessible. I, al- I almost feel like, AZ, that you're, Bridge 17, all, you know what, Hilliard, it, it reminds me a lot of what the old Cosby, the, uh, the Cosby program used to be. Uh-huh. The Marvin Hayes yeah. guy, you know, Guy Miller program. I almost yeah. feel like what AZ has created is that kind of real world, real room experience that we lost when we lost the Guy Hanks, Marvin Miller screenwriting fellowship at USC. <laughs> so AZ, I feel like you're stepping in and, and filling that, that void that so many writers in LA that got onto TV shows that got put on and made it up through going through that particular fellowship. I feel like maybe you should connect her with Jennifer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe you should, I'll I'll connect you guys when you're done. Maybe you can give her that. Fantastic. We appreciate all, all we can get from our elders. I call you guys the elders of LA. <laughs> LA and New York is there. There are elders, so we need to respect and learn from the, from the space that you're in, and also from the youngins of Atlanta. And I mean youngins because of the industry sure. that we have a new way of doing things here, and it's needed. And, and it's by the way, needed. I'm hearing I don't, Chris. I don't know how much you're hearing. Every year, I I hear of at least three or four writers, black writers in particular, who are moving to Atlanta who have mm-hmm. been here, who've worked on shows, who are moving there. And sometimes I've heard from one or two of them, like, well, I figure, like, I'm a big fish there. I could go there and really blow up. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? So I think I think people are going, you know, at least with, with some hope. So my hope is that, you know, it does become much more of like a place where it, it, it isn't like when I was in San Francisco where they only bring the supporting players. They actually go for the real people. Well, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I mean, look, I think what Atlanta needs for it to really <clears throat> kind of pop off the way that they people want it to be, because I, I, I know a couple of people who, too, have been, who are out here. You know, I, I met the guy who created, like, Homeboys from Outer Space, and and, and 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 he's down there in Atlanta. I moved there like ten years ago, and it's like there's a there's there's a type of content that they're looking to create that that Hollywood just will turn their nose up at, and there's but there's outlets for all of that now, whereas ten fifteen years ago there really wasn't. To me, I think what I, th- I think what could really make Atlanta interesting is. If there was a studio complex down there that wasn't Tyler Perry's, you know, if 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 like if there was a second studio, because I you know, and I say that only because there's still like some weird kind of stigma about his stuff. Um, even though I heard they shot like part of Bad Boys Three down there, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of like the, the the Coming to America Two down there, you know, it's kind of like yeah, I can see why Bad Boys is going to shoot down there. I can see why coming to america is you know but are these other shows and other projects gonna shoot there you know i mean if, if, if from what everyone to- says to me this facility is fucking state-of-the-art yeah you know but oh yeah he's booked and busy that's not an issue what he's booked and busy the issue is, is do, does he have a writer's room well exactly but see but that that's the reason why i'm saying they need someone other than tyler perry because tyler perry does not believe in the writer's room uh he's getting out there he's changing his mind i don't blame him for a lot of the decisions that he's made i I don't because you have to know the inner workings and i do work with a lot of tps folks they put me on the map they've helped me a lot and and grow i've never met uh i've met nothing but nice and genuine uh, people from TPS. So I'll, I'll say this. He has reasons for doing how he does things. And he's a little jaded. <laughs> but he, he will grow from it and grow out of it. I'm not um, saying he's not. I'm not saying, no, I'm not saying he's not. But I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying that, you know, for instance, let's, you know how, how uh, it, was, it was Lionsgate and mm-hmm. who had that studio in North Carolina. Somebody like that, like, had a studio down there. I just think people would respond differently. I just, they're down I mean, here. You know, no, I don't think they're not down here. There are a lot down here, but are they looking? There is, there's no true path. Like, yeah. you go to uh, yeah. the, what is the a- AGI? Is that the school out there? AIG? I forget the school that's popular with screenwriters. Uh, in LA, but you go there and it's incubators, but we really don't have that hub. So it's oh, like oh, we don't a- necessarily AFI. AFI, thank you. Yeah, but we don't. Re- we have to get that hub of there are writers here, and I know where to right. find them. And then right. their quality, their quality writers here. Not that right. they have a good idea, but where we are lacking from our LA brothers and sisters is first respect, second right. patience. And third access. Exactly. Say it one. Say it one more time. Say it one more again. Say it one more again. One more again for the kids. One one more again. So what I'm saying, like, we need help with that. We need help with your respect. We need help with your patience, and we need help with your access. I don't know 
what it is that we get a stigma for Atlanta writers, Atlanta actors, all of that. I don't know what that stigma is. I'll tell but... you what it is. No, no, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what it is. I mean, look, look, I mean, and here's the thing. It, it's, it's, it's kind of what I was saying earlier. It's, it's like, look, I had a, a whole view of what it was like before I went down there three years ago to shoot something. And then again, like about a year ago, it's that, you know, there's, there were so many writers who went down there who worked on, worked on one of those Tyler, two of those Tyler, Tyler Perry's first two shows who were WGA writers. Yep. And when they came back, they scorched the earth with his name. And, you know, and granted, he's grown from that and made changes stuff like that. But I don't think that that... Yeah, because he wasn't even union back then, so... Yeah, yeah you know, sure. I mean, but I, I think that that stigma hasn't been removed yet. True. And there needs to be some kind of... I hear you, Chris. To, to I hear that. you now. And, I, you know, I think I hear you better now. I understand what you're saying. That is so true. That is so, so he true. has a stigma, so it's like it's reaching over... And, yes, and yeah. making us all putrid. So yeah. I understand what yeah. you mean. Now. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why you, that's that's why you are where you are right now, Az. By association, Can't, you, I mean, I mean, I mean, look, it's not true. We're changing that. It's totally not that. true. It, because I, I gotta tell you, like I said, when I, when I went down there, I was kind of just like, well, what's it gonna be like with these crews? And the crews were amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the production's crews amazing. Were amazing. And right. you know, and I, I met some uh, while I was in Savannah. I met some people who were at SCAD and they were really fucking cool as shit and they had really cool ideas. Mm-hmm, and I just mm-hmm. I just was like, people don't know that that Tyler Perry thing is just is this heavy cloud that, that, that has to be wiped away. It has to be because there's there's two I mean, look, I, I met some people who've come from Atlanta out here come out here who are writers, and they are really good writers. They're really good filmmakers, everything, but it's kind of like, you know, how do you break that? Uh, it's a bad stereotype, you know, and I mean, and that's honestly what it is. I mean, your patience, the, your question about patience is interesting because I feel a lot of people in LA act like they ain't got time for shit. That's what I mean. And, <laughs> that's exactly I mean, what I mean. Act like they ain't got yeah. time for shit. They're like, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. But I, but I kind of feel like you have to. It, it, there's a there's all these techniques that I that I had to learn to help me figure out how to ask people to read my stuff and to give me some time and for right. me to be a lot more um, uh, perseverance with them that I think maybe like you know that for the first five six years seven eight years two, I, I, two years I, ago it switched for both of us didn't it as soon as we clicked yeah, in yeah yeah it's exactly. I, mean, I think it's there's, right. there's it, I mean like 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 just the other day. Someone texted me and was like, "Hey, good friend of mine. Hey, can you, I got a script? Can you read?" Blah blah blah. And I was like, "I was like, dude, I can't. I got three scripts I got to read about behind this weekend, and I got to write something for this big company, and I got to do my movie." And then you know, but you know, but but he sent me a text back and was like, "Dude, you know what? I'm happy that you don't have time because because I, I, I want that shit to go forward." blah 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 and then like the next morning i rolled back i said look man just check i said just check back in with me in a week and i'll see where i am you mm-hmm. know because i like the way he respond you know he like he took my you know he took my gracious no i can't and i said well you know what he was respectful he was yeah. respectful and i and i hit him back and said I'm, I'm not saying i will read it in a week or that i might be free but i was like i just said check back in with me and i think that for me five years ago if he told me that I wouldn't have checked in, you know, I'd have been like, well, he just didn't have time, you know, but I feel that like 
people have time if you find ways to 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 circumvent this shit. Like I was talking with somebody that two weeks ago, and I said I had to call this big big expedition back, and I was like, I've already called him one time, and I don't want him to feel like I'm just trying to nag him. So what I did was I reached out, I reached out to his assistant. I said, dude. Can you read my script? Because I would love to get your thoughts on it. And also, so you've been with this guy for five years. You've got a lot more sway to get him to fucking read something if you like it than I do. So can you uh-huh. help me out? And he was like, dude, I'm so happy you talked to me. Of course I'll do that. You know, so Chris, you're the- saying, you seem really helpful and Hillier and Lee, all of you are very helpful. I love uh, what you're doing with the podcast as far as getting us information from Atlanta to, from L.A. to Atlanta. What can we do to be presented better on our level? I can't build a studio right Not right now. What, <laughs> what can we do on our level to present better to you? You said you got a business background. Just <laughs> <laughs> Not right now, I said. <laughs> I think one thing, one thing you could think about, and I don't know if you're already doing this, because like I said, I I did we I wasn't familiar with you. I can only speak for myself until um, Tiana, Tiana yeah. brought you guys up. Right. You got to start maybe going, putting yourself, putting you guys in the press when things happen. Like yeah. when, for example, people just need to know, like, wow. And I, I use the blacklist as an example of something that gets people's attention. Correct. It doesn't always work, whether it's Lena, whether it's whoever. The whole point was you need something up under you. So whether it's Austin Film Festival or Sundance or whatever it is, you just need some, you need some legs, you know? Okay. Like, for example, I was telling a, a, a younger writer yesterday about how um, when, I, when I first got signed to a big agency like eight years ago, 10 years ago, um, we sat down. <clears throat> now, and I came from the, um, the, the, the competition world. You know, I I placed in Austin and Sundance and all those things, right? And but there were a few competitions that I won that he'd never heard of at the time. And I'm talking about like script of Palooza. He'd never heard of it. I'm like, what the fuck? Anyway, so at some point he said to me, Well, you know, I see you won some competitions or whatever. And I've told you guys this story before, Chris and Lisa. He says, But I mean, nobody really cares about that, you know. And I just paused and I looked at him and I said, fuck it. I says, I said, are you serious? And he said, well, like, yeah. And I said, so that competition I won $5,000 for. And I went down the list with like four or five of them. I ended up with $16,000, right? And I said, those are $45 entrances, right? Which I won over 3,000 people on that one, about 4,000 on that one, 600 on that one, whatever it was, right? I said, what it did for me as a younger writer was help my ego. So I could tell myself, you know what? I, I actually do stand out. You know what I mean? And, and the, the festivals for me used to be a thing where I would submit just to see where I was. You know what I mean? If I could place in Austin, okay, if I only made it to the semis, I still need some more work. You know what I mean? So it was my test ground, right? But what it did for me when I started my company and I started doing what you're doing where I'm doing rewrites for companies and I'm, and I'm being hired to do assignments, I started using that as a guise to be going, you know, um, here's why you should hire me. I just won this thing. You know what I mean? Oh, he's a finalist at such and such. So he, he probably can write. They just immediately click to that thing. 
So if every time one of your clients, your 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 students play something or do something, put it out there, hey, we've done something, you know, and it starts going, oh, over there, she gets people uh-huh. to the finals. Oh, over there, she makes you. That's just my suggestion. You got to change the process now so people see you guys are winners. You're not and just. Yeah. And they notice they start to notice and look at it. Can I, can I ask, uh, AZ, um, do you have a strong like social media presence with Bridge 17? Are you on the, the social, the major social media sites at all? We're on IG. So most of my work or when people look us up. There's a lot of press. Um, for Bridge 17, that is local press. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, we're out. Our Sundance competitions, if you won, you're out there. We don't. I don't promote everything that folks are doing um, all the time. So, but and I don't. I don't have that bravado, you know. We're here. So you talk- some more, some so- more, some more. So I agree with Hillier because we don't promote every every win that we have. And you're not we on don't. Twitter at all. You're not on Twitter or anything like that. Not active. Okay, because it's yeah. a lot of. A lot of our writer folks are. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. Yeah, I know Twitter's that a place. Is, is, yeah, yeah. That Twitter's a place for writers, and the IG is the place for like filmmakers and shit like that. Just because of the the way the medium is break down. I mean, to me, it might be interesting if you were to talk with um, what's your girl's name? Uh, Hillier, Jenny Frankfurter, who does uh-huh. the, the 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 first. She does um the finish uh, finish, finish line. line. Finish line script competition. Yeah, yeah, because it'd be interesting, like if you kind of like, you know, could send people to her or, fi- or find some way to like do some. Right. Bit of I'll, co- I'll connect you with her when we're done. Yes, yeah, some co-branding or co-sponsorship with her thing, you know, just as, as a because what she does is that she, if you win her thing, she puts you in, in front of like thirty to forty b- big executives, you know, and if people are saying, hey. You know, if they're telling their story right, they say, hey, I went through this thing called Bridge 17 in Atlanta that got me here to this, you know, to Jenny's thing. And that's why I'm here. You know, the people that she's putting people in front of are, are going to be like, well, what's this Bridge 17? You know, but 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 it's I think if you form those relationships with those people who have who also have that kind of like access of showing good shit, because Jenny used to be a manager for a long time. Oh, yeah, she was a huge she was, manager. She was all these people. So yeah. she's got like this kind of just a stamp already for what she's doing. And it'd just be helpful for you to just be in touch with her about like like other ways to help promote your stuff. And she's really good at, and cool at doing that. You know, so I think it's, it's all about, you know, you having to, it, to extend the brand so people know what this is. And once they know what it is, they're going to be like, where is it? And they go, oh, it's in Atlanta, which means that I don't have to move. You know, or, or or maybe I'm in you know Louisiana and I can move to Atlanta. That's that's it. That's a more palatable move for me moving from Louisiana to to, to Los Angeles. You know, or something like that. You know, because I feel especially, like especially if you're especially if you're making your start. You know, knowing that there's a place in Atlanta, especially if you're in New Orleans or someplace yeah. close by, where you'd be like, hey, I can take these classes and I can. It's within driving distance, or you know, I can hop mm-hmm. on the plane. It's not. Mm-hmm. I don't have to extend so much resources to be far, but. I can get professional training and learning craft and really getting that foot in the door. Cause it sounds like to me, bridge 17 is building that space mm-hmm. outside of LA, outside of New York. And like I said, I'm just putting it out there. Like it's going to be, and it is already. It's just that other people just don't realize it right now. 
that it is the hub. <laughs> they sleeping. They sleeping. No, it's, it's, hey, people sleeping on it, but now they're going to know. But it, it sounds like this is going to be the hub and the space. And we have to, I, I want to look at it in terms of the way, you know, hey, say what you will, the way that Tyler Perry built his brand over the years. He ha- it, yes. He, he built it. And I'm one of those people early, hey, whenever a play comes through, me and my family are there. Whenever a movie comes out, me and my family are there. And he's built that brand over the year and they have that trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, his audience has that trust. And that, you know, is a model that a lot of us can, can really follow, actually. I mean, he's already set up a blueprint. You know, whatever <laughs> his issues are with writers and all that, the focus is having the time and space to grow and not rush it and understanding what yep. your lane and understanding what your lane is. And it sounds like you are very clear, AZ, on what your line is for Bridge 17. And before we go, can I just ask you, where does the name come from? Because I'm so curious. Uh, I'm like, Bridge 17. I was, I was just there, about to ask. That, so, that, 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 that's that's <laughs> <laughs> so I'm such a numerologist, and this is how it goes. Um, one, it's my birthday, 1-7. But it wasn't the primary. What it was is the creation is number one. That's what we associate creation with. So I take that as the writer. And seven right. is that near completion, right? right? Right. So that's that producer. So we're bridging the gap between writers and producers, the one and the seven. Oh, Ooh, look at you. <laughs> All right. Okay. Like that. Like that. Got the you. one percenters in the house. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, that's, well, that's really so it. Much. Thank you so much, AZ. We appreciate you taking the time with us, hanging with us for this good hour and 40 something minutes we're on right I'm so, now i'm so excited i'm so excited that i know that you exist and and shout out to tiana jackson for yeah. putting you put you guys on notice because it's like oh my god there's there's a place you know in atlanta and i can tell my cousin i have a cousin that lives down there she's a flight attendant for delta and she's always talking about oh the people you hollywood people should come out here and do some writing stuff and it's like oh my god there's somebody there doing that work so i appreciate sh- shout out to you Thank you all Thank you, for your time, energy. No um, problem. It's really we're we're babies here, but you know we exist, and it's good. It's good for you to give us that recognition. So I appreciate. I'm so grateful to be on the show. Sure, sure. And and just just on a short note, on this show we've taken back calling people baby writers and all that stuff like that. So we're not doing that anymore. We're like everybody's grown ass people. They're just you know younger writers and experienced writers, whatever we want to call it. <clears throat> so we're trying not to do that anymore because I okay. think it's a bad. It's a bad, disrespectful thing, I think, that Hollywood started. Let's yeah. call it emerging writers as I do. Instead I like of inspiring, that. I like that. I stay with emerging writers. writers. I like the emerging. That is way better. I'm going to definitely that. try to change my I brain around that, that one. Yes. I got rid of baby. Now yes. I got to emerging. I love it. Emerging. I know one baby. I know one baby. And his name <laughs> yes. is Donald J. Trump. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Don't even get started. Hey, um, there. <laughs> Hey, AZ, where, can you give your website and whatnot? People can follow you and also your Instagram. Yeah, so you can follow us on IG, Bridge1717 spelled out. And the website is the same, Bridge1717 spelled out.com. Um, also, you can follow me personally, AZ, the writer, on IG as well. And I suppose I have Twitter soon. Yeah, yeah you got it. Yes, yes. <laughs> That way, because I, you know, we tweet, I tweet and talk and interact all the time. So it's good to have you on there to like, you know, show you guys are out there, especially a lot of our writer friends that are just like looking, like actively looking on Twitter for writers, you know. Mm. 
Yeah, and you might you might have to open your account up so that it's more visible to people. By the way, it might help. Oh, my AZ the writer. Yeah, oh, or your other one. I'm sorry if you don't oh, want to was... do yours. Oh, it yeah, it's you mean on Twitter or IG? Yeah, on on, on IG. I'm sorry. Oh, it's open. Is it? It said private on my when I saw it. Oh, AZ the writer is. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever one you want to use is totally fine. But not Bridge uh, 17. But Bridge, Bridge 17. Bridge 17 should be totally open. Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. AZ the writer is, is now open. <laughs> you say, but, it's open. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where you at, Chris? <laughs> uh, where am I? Where am I? I don't even know where I am. Uh, no, I'm on, um, damn it. I'm on Twitter and Instagram um, at unauthorized CBD. Um, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Lisa, 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 Cult Jam. I am on Twitter. Uh, what fresh hell is this? And also on the gram as what fresh hell is this, Lisa? And um, before we leave, can I just say I want to send condolences out to Jazz Waters family, the writer Jazz Waters, who yes. who passed away. Uh, who was on um, This Is Us and and some several other shows. You know, one of the things that I love and I champion is you know black women writers who are making it in Hollywood and to lose one um, like that, that really hurt the community. So I just yeah. want to make sure that, you know, let her family know that, you know, that was a huge loss and send my condolences. Awesome. Okay. That's amazing. <clears throat> For sure. And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can follow the show. Um, follow me at Hilliard Guest on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, you can also follow the show, Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Any questions, screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, um, Google Play, Spotify, whatever you guys listen to. Share the show, um, subscribe to the show, all that other shit. And what else, Chris? So you can find information on Bridge 17 or links to it if you didn't catch it on our website called screenwritersrr.com. You can ask us questions uh, on the contact page on that. You can buy T-shirts on the uh, website as well. Slight delay in those because of the COVID thing, but they will be shipping uh, shortly soon. And um, there's, there's other resources on the website, you know, things we talk about, trailers, stuff we don't talk about on the show is on the website. So uh, it's just a resource for writers who want more game. For sure. That's what's up. And um, a lot of good stuff going on. I got to jump off of this right now. We're actually about to shoot this um, episode for this thing I'm doing. I'll tell you about it later. Um, so I will talk to you guys about that in another week or so. Um, so thank you guys all for listening to the show. We appreciate y'all. You know how we do it on the Rant Room. On this show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what? It is what it is. It is what it is, what it is, is. y'all. Thank you, AZ. <laughs> thank, thank you, AZ. Bye. Bye. I'm say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Rain Room. So you wanna be a 
rider Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerd Has got no time for no kata Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hillier He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the Red Room.